this gospel, of course, is, is pretty familiar to us, I think. Uh, the road to Emmaus. Uh, as Jesus appears that, that day that he rose from the dead, he appears to these two disciples who are, who are walking along the way, and they're, they're discussing what has just happened. You know, these, these amazing events. Uh, initially, these just very harsh and difficult events of, of their, their Lord uh, being sacrificed, being killed, and his death. All right, they're talking about just the emotion that they were feeling at that time. And then three days later, they've, they've just heard that, that Jesus has been raised from the dead, that he's not in the tomb, right? That there is this vision of angels declaring that he has risen. And they're just, you know, just like anything, when, when we get together with another person and we've heard this, this amazing news, we just chatter about it, we talk about it, we philosophize about it, we, uh, we wonder what it means, all right? what it's going to mean in the future. It can be exciting. It can be amazing. And so you can feel the, uh, the emotion that was probably going on with these two. And then a stranger walks up. Right, the stranger walks up, and what are you talking about? Of course he knew, but, and they didn't know that it was Jesus. They couldn't discern that it was him yet, which is interesting. And, and we see this again and again with the post-resurrection accounts of Jesus, that initially the disciples don't recognize him until he shows them something. Last week, he showed them the wounds, his hands and his side. It is I, the one who died, who now is risen and stands before you. They recognized him. So he's, he's walking along with them, and then he begins to share the scriptures to talk about the Messiah and all that had been prefigured, all that had been foreshadowed, that it was necessary to fulfill the scriptures that the the Messiah would suffer and die, that this was recounted. It it, It had been prophesied for centuries. And their hearts began to burn, we're told, with this longing and this desire And because of that desire, they invite this person to stay with them. And once again, Jesus reveals himself by showing them something. And he takes the bread and says the blessing. And in that moment, the disciples see Jesus for who he is. And they're even more amazed. They're so amazed they run back to Jerusalem, right, to, to, to revisit the 11 and all of the other disciples and to say this is what happened to us. Even though it was night, they rushed back. Even though it was potentially dangerous to do so, they had to get back and talk about this amazing event. Now, what I think that this gospel also provides for us is a bit of an example of how Jesus approaches us in our lives. You know, a lot of the times we we tend to think that this relationship with God is something we do, we affect, and, and no doubt we have a part or a role to play in the relationship, but what we see is that it's always God who initiates, 
right? The, the two disciples are walking along the road, and it's Jesus who initiates contact. Before they even know it's Jesus, he's the one who initiates relationship. And he asks, what are you doing? What are you talking about, right? And, and they, they open up to him, and they begin to share a bit, right? And then because of their sharing, because of their openness, the Lord begins to teach them. And they're able to receive that teaching because of their openness. They've, they've now become disposed to hearing the message of Jesus. And so the message of Jesus can be proclaimed into their hearts. And their hearts begin to burn with desire and love for the Lord. And then ultimately, because of that desire, because of the love that they have for Jesus, they invite him into their lives even more. Stay with us. Be with us even longer. They desire more relationship, which leads to the ultimate in relationship, which is the Holy Eucharist. They're able to receive the Holy, Holy Eucharist, Jesus Christ himself, in that grace. This is how God, often how God is with us, is that he takes this initiative, and we wonder, you know, who is this guy? What's he doing? And then he gets us to think about things. He gets us to think about our lives. Why am I doing what I'm doing? And, and who is this person with this initiative? And the more that we become curious about this relationship, the more that we invite him in. And the more that he begins to live in our lives, the more our hearts burn with desire for him. And he makes good on that initial relationship and helps it to grow and grow even more. So when we're, we're looking at our relationship with Jesus even now then, the Lord is taking initiative with each one of us. He is working. And he's, he's trying to gain access to us. And the only thing that keeps us or keeps him from having that access is ourselves, right? And the, the more that we allow him into our lives, the more that, of course, we're going to grow with him and our hearts are going to burn with love for him. And ultimately, as, as we all long for, especially now, right, we long to receive the Holy Eucharist. We, we long to be back in our churches receiving Jesus in the Eucharist. And many people right now lament, you know, we can't receive the Eucharist. It's amazing to hear some of the people, there's some people who are just very angry that bishops have closed down churches to protect people. They're very angry that they can't receive the Eucharist. They think they should, they have a right, always, on demand. No one has a right to a sacrament in that sense not an absolute right. You can't have a right to a gift in that sense. You know, furthermore, gosh, you think about all of the many places in the world where people have to fast from the Eucharist for months on end before the, a priest comes to their village or their town. I think about, uh, you know, how many times I've, I've had to tell people who are divorced and remarried and waiting in annulment, you can't receive the Eucharist. 
And that is indeed suffering for them. It doesn't matter that, you know, how they got into that situation. They've now, their hearts are burning and they want to receive Jesus and they can't because they have to wait. And it's legitimate that they have to wait. But that doesn't change the difficulty. That doesn't change the suffering that's there. I think of that often now when when some people are even kind of angry that they can't receive the Eucharist. I think that's the wrong disposition. I think that's the wrong disposition. The Eucharist is such a precious gift to us. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve it at all. And this is a time for us to look at it as the gift that it is, as opposed to the right that we think we have to it. What a gift for us to be able to gather together, to pray together, and to receive the Eucharist. Let our hearts burn for that return, the return of our communities, the return of the Eucharist. This day is short. We'll be through this crisis soon, and the Lord will deliver us back into our churches. Let us remain steadfast and faithful to him.